0: We have been talking about this idea of where does God want us to go? What does he want us to do uh, to reach our community? We've got 185,000 people here within five miles of us. It's grown to 230. We know that God has called us to plant churches, to send missionaries. And, uh, And so in that, we really, as a leadership team, have felt that God is moving us towards Developing our campus and and being able to maximize it, getting it all done without any debt, paying off the existing debt we've got, and so that we can just maximize our effort. But here's the thing: uh, we have not wanted to make this all about buildings. Uh, you know, buildings are buildings; they're tools. Um, but that's really all they are. We've not wanted it to make about pledges and, and money. We, we've wanted to make it about a discipleship experience because ultimately, I think this is kind of why God calls us into these moments is how does he work to, to make us more like Christ and develop us. And so kind of what we've been focusing on this month is this idea of faith. And how God wants to grow faith in our life. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And we started the first week and we talked about vision faith. And I shared some of the stories of, you know, many years ago now, 26 years ago, as God called me to be a part in the verse that He gave me, kind of our church's life verse, if you would. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think, According to that power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so we shared that. Now, what was interesting was last Sunday afternoon, we had a town hall meeting, which we do every three to four months just to kind of let people know what's going on and give report. Of course, we were spending quite a bit of time talking about this impact project But I got to be honest with you, I have been, I grew up in the church, I've been in a lot of quote unquote church business meetings, right? Most of them good, couple, eh, you know, but if you miss last week's town hall meeting, you missed what could be like on record ever, the best meeting I've, I've ever sat through. So it started off. Uh, we had we we had a few little uh, what is reports, I guess would be the way to do it. So here came Kyle, Pastor Kyle. Of course, Kyle was on staff with us six, nearly seven years, and we sent him out in 2016 and planted Mission Church with about 50 folk, and to go kind of in into the little south of here. And uh, to be honest with you, 2020 was just kind of a horrendous year for Mission Church. It was it was for a lot of younger churches because they just didn't have the stability, the size. They're, they're in a school facility. So even when we were able to come back, uh, they were not able to go back and meet uh, in their school. And so eventually the only place they could find was kind of way away from where they normally met. They were meeting on Saturday night. Uh, so we've been working and processing. He he got up and shares the story of all that God has been doing. And we have been able as a church to kind of come alongside and to help them, but they've been able to find a, uh, a space, uh, a lease space that's like in the heart of Goodyear, right where they want to be. Uh, kind of where that new, uh, I don't know, its park, aquatic center down uh, Australia Parkway, right across the street from that. It's awesome. And so that's all coming together. At the same time, they've been talking to another church that was planted 17 years ago, but running into some of the same issues. And so they've kind of been looking for somebody that they could join together with. And so they've been having those conversations. And oh, by the way, I got a text yesterday. That church voted to actually join in with Mission Church so that's going to be happening. And, uh, and it was like, wow, you know, and look at what God's doing. People are coming to faith in Christ. Lives are being changed. God has given them just this perfect location for doing ministry. So he sits down. Michael gets up, right? Michael, who just left uh, in January with about a little over 100 people, to go plant Saul Church at Waddell. And if you remember, we'd raise money for that church launch here at the end of the year. And, you know, we had hoped to send between 125, 150. We're still trying to get exactly what, you know, because it's still shaking out. But it looks like maybe about 100, 110 of our people went. But do you know they've actually averaged over 250 people? which means 140 people from the community are already coming and getting involved. It's just awesome. And they're, they, man, they saw 10 people get saved a couple weeks ago. They're seeing lives being changed. And, uh, and then he sat down. And then Wade and Shannon got up. Our missionary to Nicaragua, and of course, what twenty eighteen? So we're about three years ago right now. We we raised money to plant a church in Nicaragua, and what he told us is that since the beginning of twenty twenty one, they've already seen twenty three people come to faith in Christ in this little community there, and uh, God is at work, and and I'm just sitting there, just blown away, and I couldn't help but think of this now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond. all all that you ask or even think. And I'm thinking, man, 26 years ago, I never envisioned planting one church. I mean, this was like survival for us. Like, could we even turn this thing around? And yet God has done way more than that. We started it with a with a vision, a vision of faith. Uh, of course, every church has the same mission, and it's the, to make disciples. And so we started out with this is our mission statement that we exist to evangelize the lost, establish believers in the faith, to equip and impassion people for ministry. First ministry we started at Desert Springs was training people in evangelism. Oh, by the way, just yesterday uh, Pastor Sean, who who heads up. And by the way, if you've not gone through training and, and and been better equipped to share your faith, you need to do that. That's how we go live on mission. But he, uh, there was a group that were coming in from, from outside that wanted to do some evangelism training, asked if they could do it here. They did it yesterday. Uh, they did some training in the morning, actually went out in the afternoon, looking for some people to share with. Do you know they had 13 gospel conversations yesterday with people they come a part of, and five of them made professions of faith. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, God is just at work. And then, of course, once people get saved, you got to establish them, you got to grow them in their faith. And then the big thing, though, is now we got to get them equipped. we got to get everybody living on mission. That's how we see this world changed. From there, the next week, we, we talked about the importance of stretching faith. You know, faith is like that spiritual muscle that God has got to, he's got to pull and stretch and that's never comfortable. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. So he wants to grow our faith. And we talked about some of the stories and the, the stories of faith are often hard to live, but they're fun stories to tell. I heard a, I heard a guy once Talk about how he actually owned and lived in a houseboat on this lake in Tennessee, which is all fun and games until one night a tornado showed up and came down the the lake, took out the dock his boat was tied to. And he was telling the story about it just being tossed and turned. And he said this, he said, you know, I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more if I knew I was going to survive. And, and that's kind of sometimes that faith-stretching experience. It's like if I'd known I survived, I would have enjoyed it more. But what God's doing is he, he, He's stretching our faith. He's causing us to look at, can we stand on His promises? From there, we started, well, last week, we talked about generous faith. We looked at how when people are in intimate relationship with the Lord, seeing God at work in their life, His faithfulness, the generosity flows out of that. Why? Because what God is doing is God is making us in the image of Jesus. And He's a generous God. And, and, and really, the, it's all rooted in this knowledge that he owns it all. And out of it, we are just managers, stewards. So today, I, I want to step into this a little bit more. Because next weekend, quite honestly, one of these seminal moments for our church. Where we're, we're going to ask the Lord and ask you to, to, to come together and say, okay, what can we do? What, what part of this? And so I want to dive a little deeper today into this idea of giving faith. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. So we're just going to kind of look at some verses as we go along. But here's the background to this. Paul had been sent out by the churches in Judea and primarily the church up in Antioch, which is way north to be able, he and Barnabas, and then he and Silas, to go share the gospel. Uh, They had, of course, established the gospel both in Asia Minor, which is Turkey today, then over in the land of Greece, and a famine had come in. And Paul's thought was, hey, these churches gave so that we could bring the gospel to you. Now they're hurting. Now as you're growing in the Lord, you can give and we'll take it back to them. And we will bless them. And that's a great thing to be able to do. And so he had sent Titus to to Corinth. Now Corinth had a very thriving economy. If you remember when we studied 1 Corinthians... Um, there's kind of a causeway, kind of a set of locks that goes through. And so lots of boat traffic, lots of commerce going on. Paul himself was over in the area of Philippi, Thessalonica, a lot of persecution, a lot of difficulty. So that's kind of the background here of this passage. So let's look at chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Because in this, oh, oh, by the way, yeah. So in this passage, there are seven things. We don't have time to go in depth. I'm just going to mention them quickly. But seven things God does in the life of a believer through giving. So the first one is found here in verses 2 and 3. He says that in the great ordeal of affliction, their abundance, these churches over in Philippi, Thessalonica... And their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. The first thing that giving does is it grows our faith. Now, it takes faith to give, right? Because there's, there is some kind of a connection between this and my heart. You know, we live in a culture, we've seen it this last year, safety and security is kind of like number one on our need list. And so for most of this, it kind of rides into what do I have to be able to provide, you know, especially as a, uh, you know, I want to provide for my family. I I want to be able to take care of the things I need to take care of. I, I want to be able to put food on the table and all of those type of things. And so when I give out of that that I have confidence for those things to the Lord, what it does is it causes me to take that trust and to place it over here in Jesus. It grows our faith. I I love the idea that it's out of their poverty that they are giving. You know, things aren't going all that good. They aren't necessarily in the midst of a robust time of uh, uh, finances, but they wanted to give. They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. They wanted to give back to those who had sent the gospel to them. They were willing to do that. It grows our faith. The second thing that he says that giving does, you see in verse 4, He says, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Second thing giving does is it allows us to bless and minister to other people. I mean, I think of right now, out, out in Waddell at Canyon View High School. You know, there are 250, 260 folks, 140, 150 of them you and I have never met. They will probably never know about us, in fact. But the reality is because you all gave, because you all were willing to, to, to come and to support and to send out of church, you're ministering to them today. I think of those 23 people who have come to faith in Christ just in the last two months down in Nicaragua. Probably this side of heaven, most of us will never meet them. But the reality is because if your generosity, your giving, your sending missionaries and, and then planting that church, man. Blessing, ministry to others. That's what giving allows us to do. I think that's going to be one of the cool things about heaven, the richness of finding what God was able to do with what we gave in lives that were changed and transformed. The third thing he tells us that giving does in our life is there in verse 5. And he says, And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Now, it's kind of an interesting thought. They gave, but what they first gave was their heart. They gave that to the Lord. And one of the cool things about giving is that it does focus our hearts on the Lord more. It'll cause us to grow in our love for Christ. Remember what Jesus said? It was kind of thought of as backwards in his day. I think it's even kind of thought of as backwards by many people today. But Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Most of us operate where our heart is, that's where our treasure will go. Jesus said, no, no, no. Your heart follows your treasure." And so, when we give, when we say, Listen, Lord, we, we love you, we want to be invested, that's part of what helps grow our heart in love for Christ, that commitment to, to following after him, because we stick our treasure there. The fourth thing that he mentions is down in verse uh, seven. He says, But just as you abound in everything, in faith, and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. You skip on down to verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich." The fourth thing that giving does is it helps develop spiritual maturity, right? So if I'm going to become like Christ, generosity, giving has got to be a part. It's one of those things that can't be missing. If you remember, the Corinthian church had people that were really invested in spiritual gifts, right? You know, for some it was, uh, you know, this gift and that gift and they were, the gifts were a big thing. And and what Paul's trying to say is, that's great. You abound in some of these things, but you need to abound in, in everything. There's a maturity that comes. So for those of you that are parents and have had teenagers, right, do you remember those moments, I mean those moments of internal great celebration when that teenager would actually show a piece of maturity in their life? uh maybe they borrowed the car and actually brought it home with gas back in it it's like a hallelujah moment right or they come in late at night and they're hungry and they fix themselves something to eat and you get up in the morning expecting everything to be out they actually put it all in the dishwasher and ran the thing and it's just like, glory to God. It's finally, it's, it's catching, right? And you get so excited. And within six to 12 hours, they then come back with some piece of incredible immaturity. And you just, it's what's so maddening, right? It's what's so frustrating. Because you want them to mature. And you see these little points, but there's so much immaturity over here. And that's the thing that giving does. Giving Giving develops maturity across the wholeness of who we are. There's a depth to it when we give that allows us to grow into that image and represent the image of Christ, which is so important. He says, even though you abound in this and you abound in that, you also need to abound in giving. If you skip over to chapter 9 we pick up number five. It's actually in chapter 9, verse 6. He says, Now this I say, that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his own heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What God's telling us and what he's reminding us is that when we give, we're not just giving, but we're actually investing. We're investing in eternal things. And with that, there is great reward. There is great benefit. Jesus' words were, hey, don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth, right, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, where the stock market plunges of, you know, 30% in a day. I think that was in the original language. It got lost someplace in translation. He said, don't do that, but you store up your treasure in heaven, where neither moth and rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. When we give what we are doing is we are investing in eternal things. And what the Bible tells us is that brings great reward. I remember the story, and I've shared it with you before, but it's just one that has has always moved my heart. It was of a man, kind of the turn, coming into the 20th century, early 1900s, very successful businessman, uh, made lots of money, owned a number of different businesses, but he was a wonderful Christian man. And so he gave a great deal of his wealth. He gave a great deal of his income away. And uh, was very, very generous. But very involved in the work of the Lord. Well, the stock market crashed. He lost everything. Every company. Every house. Everything. And he was asked by somebody, do you regret having given so much away. And without batting an eye, you look at it and regret. He said, the only thing that I kept is what I gave away. Because I invested in eternal things. Everything I held on to, I lost. So I don't regret it at all. I wish I'd given more away. Kind of makes you think of what Jim Elliot said, the missionary down to the Aqua Indians who was eventually going to be murdered by the Aka Indians. He said he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. He who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly, but he who sows bountifully, there is great reward. That doesn't it's not this idea that you give to get here. I mean God God does bless, but we give because we're investing in eternal things. The sixth thing he mentions then in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So in our giving, what we have is we have the promise that God will meet our needs. You know, so often people quote that, um, and my God shall... Supply all your needs according to riches and glory. Philippians chapter 4, right? What they fail to remember is that Paul has just said, you gave to meet my needs. And it's on the basis of that, he says, and my God shall supply all your needs. We have this promise. Jesus put it like this. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap for good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by the standard of measure, you measure it, it'll be measured back to you. Now listen, folks, we don't, we don't give to get. This isn't like using God like some kind of slot machine in Vegas. It's not that idea. But the idea is, is that if we give, God will meet our needs. In fact, the reality is you just can't outgive the Lord. And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago. It's 2004. We had just moved from Glendale to Litchfield Park. We'd had... Uh, you know, we had just enough money in the bank that if giving didn't increase, we could get to September 15th. And the spring of that year, I think it was about April about that time, of course, we had jumped our budget quite a bit because of, the, uh, of all the move and, and the facilities and all of that. But we hadn't really increased missions giving which we always try to run at least 10%, and m- most times more like 12, 11, 12%, something like that. And, and we had three missionaries approach us, and, and, and though we were growing, giving wasn't going up, and we got September 15th going. And I think for, for the leadership of this church, it was one of those seminal moments. What are we going to do? Because we all prayed. We all felt like God was leading us to give. Just kind of thought we are going to be out of money. And about five, six months, and those men said, "You know what? We believe God's going to provide. We believe God has moved us here, and so we took on those missionaries. And you know, here we set what seventeen years later, and September fifteenth hasn't showed up. In fact, that was the other part about last week's meeting that, if you missed, what to me was just so amazing." So a year ago, what are we at? Week 50 of the 15 days to to calm the curve, right? You know, that's where we're at. We're almost coming up on a year. It was what, mid-March, right? And if you remember back to where we were, we had had just a great fiscal year. It was financially one of our best years at that point. And so we hit the pandemic, and we were in really good shape. And we had one, like the second Sunday in, it was like really bad. I thought, oh man, what's going to happen? But then after that, it was fine. In fact, we were over budget and giving again through, through the end of the year. And, and so, as a church, what it allowed us to do is to be very generous. So uh, Wade and Shannon called us and, hey, they want to buy 2,000 pounds of food to be able to give out and use it for evangelism. And and so we sent $7,000 to do that. Uh, We helped out our camp. You know, camping got killed during this thing. Uh, Last summer, 60% of all camps in America were closed. And what they tell us is over 60% of those will never reopen. We have a wonderful Christian camp called Prescott Pines. Many of us have been there. Our ladies go there every year. They were really hurting. We said, "You know, God's bless us." I think we sent twenty thousand dollars to help them. Different missionaries would come. Hey, we just we need some extra help right there. I remember getting the call from from Greg Lyons in the Philippines, and you know their churches. Uh, we have never been online giving because they always gather. They can't gather now, and they needed some money. I believe we sent them $5,000 to help support these 40 churches. Uh, we just tried to be generous. So we're sitting in this meeting last week, and this is to my shame. I probably should pay a little more attention. I mean, I watched the offerings, right? N- knew, you know, we were over budget and giving, and it was all good. But I really had not paid any a- attention to the expenses, so Kenny gets up in the meeting last week and he says, you know, we're over budget and giving and everybody went great. Or, you know, that's awesome. We're also in expenses. We're over budget missions and everybody went great, right? We've been trying to be generous, but we're kind of down over here as far as in normal expenses. And again, giving's been up and oh, by the way, you know, eight months into our fiscal year, we're something like $200,000 to the good. And I went, oh my goodness, you just can't outgive the Lord, right? You just can't outgive the Lord. And, and that's what he says. Uh, he, 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 God will supply your need. The last one, and I got to hurry. And the last one's actually found here in verses uh, 11 and 12 and 13. He says, You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because the proof given by the ministry, they will glorify God. This whole point is when you and I give, it brings great glory to God. It gives glory to God when, when people come to faith in Christ. It gives glory to God when the kingdom is advanced. It gives glory to God when we in faith give even in that spiritual realm. God is glorified. So seven things that giving does. There's also been three things, and I don't really have time to, to, to other than to just mention them, three things that he told us about how we ought to give in this. Because remember, God's not so concerned about the money. God owns it all. What God's concerned is about our heart. Are we becoming more like Christ? So when we give, we're to give sacrificially. It is to, it's got to affect us. That's why, you remember Jesus sitting by the treasury and, some, some of the people brought great sums of money. And then there's a widow who gave just like two cents, right? And Jesus says they gave out of their surplus. She gave all that she had. It was a significant piece. We're to give sacrificially. Uh, secondly, there in nine six, he reminds us: he so sparingly, you sparingly, you give generously. We're to give generously, bountifully. The third thing is, we just read that he we're to give joyfully. So, folk, where does this all go? We're heading in next week. Is is that moment? In fact, you all probably saw when you came in. Uh, you either sat on it or you moved it, right? This, this, is, this is a pledge card. For those of you that are online, uh, it's there. There might even be a link there on your page. If not, if you just go back to where it says impact, it'll it'll give you this. You can do this online. But, but this is what we're doing. We are asking every household, whether that's just you or that's you and a spouse or you and the kids, Would you pray and ask God what he would have you to do? You see, again, we want this to be about discipleship. You know, what my parents gave weekly as a tithe, as a kid, I never knew. Because I didn't know how much they made that was their business not mine uh, we didn't talk about such things but I would tell you every time we came to a special offering kind of an over and above what our regular giving they involved us in that process because sometimes it meant we were going to have to do things differently you know, we, we may not be able to do some things in order to be able to give. So we were involved. It's a great discipling piece for your toy, for your ki- for your kids. What we're asking you. Is to prayerfully consider what you would be willing, what you believe God is laying upon your heart to give towards this campus expansion, the impact project over the next three years. Because that's about how long it would take us, you know, from kind of start to, to getting it done. We're going to be raising funds specifically for this over the next three years. Now, obviously, it's got to be over and above regular giving, right? Right. Because the ministry, the missionaries, everything continues as is happening, the church planting. This has got to be special. This has got to be over and above. And so, what would God lay upon your heart to do? Now, just to remind you, we set three goals We're we're just trying to be sensitive to what God would do. Number one goal is what we call the abundant goal, which would be awesome. It would be doing phase one of the project, which would be adding over here a bump out for children's educational area. It would be the parking and all of that piece. The second goal, we call it the exceeding abundant goal. It would be doing all of that, phase one, and then phase two, which is that new worship center, just like this, multi-purpose, but built actually for worship. And then the, what we call the God dream goal that before God takes me home, right? It's, it's my dream. We not only get this done, this, this piece built out, but we're also to pay off the existing debt. Because then it's like every dollar comes in. We can put in to the kingdom piece of planting churches, sending missionaries, reaching our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing, folks: To reach our goal, it's going to take all of us. All of us being generous, quite honestly, being sacrificial, uh, looking at i mean i don't i don 't know of anybody, maybe there is, but i don 't know of anybody in our church that has the ability to just kind of sit down and write a check and say, "Hey, we can do this if you are that person and god 's leading you to do that i 'll be down here after the service <laughs> i 'd love to talk to you uh, we, we 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 would take that but by and large, how God tends to do this is by all of us just being able to sacrifice. And, you know, I just ran a couple numbers, you know, just of, of little sacrifices. I mean, I don't, I don't drink coffee, but I, I know people that have that bad habit. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you cut one Starbucks run a week at four bucks out for the next three years. You know, that's almost, it's over 600 bucks to get help. Or, or maybe as a family eating out and going to, you know, you've got enough kids. I take my grandkids to Chick Fil A. Man, it's forty bucks, right? You, you you cut one of those things out a, a, a week that's nearly $7,000 over three years. Or maybe it's just, hey, we can, you know, we can give an extra 50 or an extra $100 a week, you know, just work our budget, you know. It's very significant. So what, are, what can we do? And so what we're asking you to do is this week is to pray, talk, come to what do you believe God is asking us to do over and above and we're going to ask you to bring this back or fill it out online and next week we're just going to have we're going to finish up this this kind of this period we're going to give you the opportunity after the service is done to put those in now the big thing is they're not commitments it's not like you know something changes God moves you away we're going to come this just helps us to know hey this is the part of the project that we believe God's leading us to do and so With that in mind, I just, I want to pray. I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God will will give us all that wisdom. Father, I'm excited about this this next piece, this next phase, this next step, Lord, in ministry. You have been so faithful. You have been so kind. We have told the stories of, of your faithfulness, of Lord, the generosity of your people, the sacrifice that so many have given to, Lord, help us be who we are today. I believe that, God, you have built a culture of generosity here because of men and women who have leaned into this over the years. And, Lord... I believe you've put us here in Goodyear, this northeast corner, to reach this community with the gospel. I believe you've called us to be involved in world evangelization. I believe you've called us to plant churches, to raise up next generation of leaders. And Lord, as as I would look at these buildings, Lord, they would be wonderful tools for us to be able to have to do those things. And so, God, my prayer is, is that you would lay upon all of our heart for Tammy and I, for, Lord, for each house, for each household that's represented, Lord, what you would have us to do, that we would truly be willing to say, okay, God, where do you want to stretch us? What can we do? How can we sacrifice? How can we be generous? And that, Lord, it would just be very, very clear uh, to the world around us, to our community, that, that uh, Lord, you you have you have provided, that you have supplied, that you have done far more abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so, Lord, I commit us to you. I pray, God, that you would that we would truly seek you with that whole heart, asking what you would have us to do in Jesus' name. Amen.